Lumen Gentium, section 25. Among the more important duties of bishops, that of preaching the gospel has pride of place. For the bishops are heralds of the faith who draw new disciples to Christ. They are authentic teachers, that is, teachers endowed with the authority of Christ, who preach to the people assigned to them the faith which is to be believed and applied in practice. And under the light of the Holy Spirit, they cause that faith to radiate, drawing from the storehouse of revelation new things and old. They make it bear fruit, and they vigilantly ward off whatever errors threaten their flock. Bishops who teach in communion with the Roman pontiff are to be respected by all as witnesses of divine and Catholic truth. The faithful, for their part, should concur with their bishop's judgment, made in the name of Christ in matters of faith and morals, and adhere to it with a religious docility of spirit. This religious docility of the will and intellect must be extended in a special way to the authentic teaching authority of the Roman pontiff, even when he does not speak ex cathedra. In such wise, indeed, that his supreme teaching authority be acknowledged with respect, and that one sincerely adhere to decisions made by him conformably with his manifest mind and intention, which is made known principally either by the character of the documents in question, or by the frequency with which a certain document is proposed, or by the manner in which the doctrine is formulated. Although individual bishops do not enjoy the prerogative of infallibility, they do, however, proclaim infallibly the doctrine of Christ when, even though dispersed throughout the world, but maintaining among themselves and with Peter's successor the bond of communion, in authoritatively teaching matters to do with faith and morals, they are in agreement that a particular teaching is to be held definitively. This is still more clearly the case when, assembled in an ecumenical council, they are, for the universal church, teachers of and judges in matters of faith and morals, whose definitions must be adhered to with the obedience of faith. This infallibility, however, with which the divine Redeemer wished to endow his church in defining doctrine pertaining to faith and morals, extends just as far as the deposit of revelation, which must be religiously guarded and faithfully expounded. The Roman pontiff, head of the College of Bishops, enjoys this infallibility in virtue of his office when, as supreme pastor and teacher of all the faithful, who confirms his brothers and sisters in the faith, he proclaims in a definitive act a doctrine proclaimed pertaining to faith and morals. For that reason, his definitions are rightly said to be irreformable by their very nature and not by reason of the consent of the church, inasmuch as they were made with the assistance of the Holy Spirit promised to him in blessed Peter. And as a consequence, they are not in need of the approval of others and do not admit of appeal to any other tribunal. For in such a case, the Roman pontiff does not deliver a pronouncement as a private person, but rather does he expound and defend the teaching of the Catholic faith as the supreme teacher of the universal church, in whom, as an individual, the charism of infallibility of the church itself is present. The infallibility promised to the church is also present in the body of bishops when, together with Peter's successor, they exercise the supreme teaching office. The assent of the church can never be lacking to such definitions on account of the same Holy Spirit's influence, through which Christ's whole flock is maintained in the unity of the faith and makes progress in it. Furthermore, when the Roman pontiff or the body of bishops together with him define a doctrine, they do so in conformity with revelation itself by which all are bound to abide and to which they are obliged to conform. 
And this revelation is transmitted in its entirety, either in written form or in oral tradition through the legitimate succession of bishops, and above all through the care of the Roman pontiff himself. And through the light of the spirit of truth, it is scrupulously preserved in the church and unerringly explained. The Roman pontiff and the bishops, in virtue of their office and because of the seriousness of the matter, are assiduous in examining this revelation by every suitable means and in expressing it properly. They do not, however, admit any new public revelation as pertaining to the divine deposit of faith. Section 26. The bishop, invested with the fullness of the sacrament of orders, is the steward of the grace of the supreme priesthood, above all in the Eucharist, which he himself offers, or ensures that it is offered, and by which the church continues to live and grow. This Church of Christ is really present in all legitimately organized local groups of the faithful, which, united with their pastors, are also called churches in the New Testament. For these are, in fact, in their own localities, the new people called by God, in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. In them the faithful are gathered together by the preaching of the gospel of Christ, and the mystery of the Lord's Supper is celebrated so that, by means of the flesh and blood of the Lord, the whole brotherhood and sisterhood of the body may be welded together. In any community of the altar, under the sacred ministry of the bishop, a manifest symbol is to be seen of that charity and unity of the mystical body without which there can be no salvation. In these communities, though they may often be small and poor or dispersed, Christ is present through, the, through whose power and influence the one holy Catholic and Apostolic Church is constituted. For the sharing in the body and blood of Christ has no other effect than to accomplish our transformation into that which we receive. Moreover, every lawful celebration of the Eucharist is regulated by the bishop, to whom is confided the duty of presenting to the divine majesty the worship of the Christian religion and of ordering it in accordance with the Lord's injunctions and the church's regulations as further defined for the diocese by his particular decision. Thus, by praying and working for the people, the bishops apportion in many forms and without stint what flows abundantly from Christ's holiness. By the ministry of the word, they impart to those who believe the power of God for their salvation and, through the sacraments, the regular and fruitful distribution of which they regulate by their authority, they sanctify the faithful. They control the conferring of baptism through which a sharing in the priesthood of Christ is granted. They are the original ministers of confirmation. It is they who confer sacred orders and regulate the discipline of penance. They diligently encourage and instruct their flocks to play their part in a spirit of faith and reverence in the liturgy and above all in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. And finally, by the example of their way of life, they should exercise a powerful influence for good on those over whom they are placed by abstaining from all wrongdoing in their conduct and doing their utmost with the help of the Lord to make their conduct even more admirable so that together with the flock entrusted to them, they may attain eternal life.